I don't even really like weightlifting, but you know what? <laughs> I love running and weightlifting enables me to do more of what I love, which is running. Right. For those reasons, I'm all in. Find something that involves strength that you can tolerate doing and that you will do on a regular basis for the rest of your life or close to it. And of course, the, the details matter, but not as much as the difference between nothing and something. A very short effort can be an awesome workout. And if you stack these little exercise sessions together, you have a wonderful increase in your baseline fitness competency. And keep it fun, dude. There's no no one keeping score but you, right? If you just do a little bit, you'll be surprised at what a big benefit it can have. Welcome to the trailhead of Trail Runner Nation, where you go on virtual trail runs with experts. This is a training principles episode. We're glad you joined us. Lace up your shoes and enjoy the run. And we're running with four amazing guests, and they're all experts in strength training. We we met with Mike Wardy and Jason Fitzgerald, Brad Kearns, and Alex Hutchinson, and each of them has a great take. And I'll tell you what, Scott, this one is worth listening to twice. It's an out and back podcast. When you do what you love, like running, racing, like enjoying the outdoors, you want to do it for your entire life. And the best way to ensure that you can do it is to know what's going on inside your body. That's where Inside Tracker comes into play. Yeah, Scott, where it doesn't matter how many watches you put on your wrist, and I know you have more than two on, <laughs> you've got to know what's going on inside that body, and that's what Inside Tracker does. Speaking of those tools, you can connect them to the Inside Tracker app and have that training data uploaded into Inside Tracker. But here's what Inside Tracker does that is unique they draw your blood and do some analysis on it and look at biomarkers that are specific for endurance athletes. They make suggestions on how you can improve those. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store by going to our deals page at trailrunnernation.com, scrolling down and clicking on the link. Today's episode is a training principles episode. It's the monthly episode where we take a topic, a training principle topic, and we have four experts come on to help us understand that topic. And today's is strength training. Boy, it's been on our list for a while, um, but we've ignored it because the same thing we ignore strength training in our training, right, Freeman? I was just going to comment, Scott. You know, it's no surprise we kind of put this off on the list because we, we put this off on our training as well. And we learned today from the experts, the people that do the strength training, it's not their favorite thing to do either. We had these experts on to, to hopefully try to motivate Don and myself to do a little mm. strength training. And if it hope, hopefully motivates us, maybe it'll help motivate you. So listen in and see if you can find the reasons Scott and I, and even yourself, should do a little strength training so that we can become better runners. Scott, tell us a little bit about Mike. Yeah, you know, we've all admired Michael Wardy. And if you haven't admired him, you need to follow him on social media. I'll put the links uh, for those in his uh, in the, the show notes, as well as his website. Many of you might have followed him this summer as he crossed the United States from San Francisco all the way to the East Coast to the hometown where he grew up. And he killed it in 61 days, averaging well over 50 miles a day. Um, but he's done a lot of crazy stuff even before that. In fact, I didn't know. I knew that he held the record for 
seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. He holds the record for the the fastest time. But he told me that he did it twice, 2018 and 2019, right, Michael? Uh, I think 2017 and 2019. So very, very close. <laughs> yeah, I took, a, I took a break in the middle. <laughs> you needed some rest. But anyway, he's on to join us. If you follow him on social, the thing that I've always admired is he spends a lot of time training and cross-training in the gym. And I think that he may have some gold nuggets for us runners that may or may not be doing some strength training. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about your regime and how it started and 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 what it does for you. Yeah, I mean, for me, it started. Um, so, yeah, I've been competing professionally, I guess, since 2001. So it's been, you know, quite a quite a long career. And I think coming from a a different background, not a running background. I think I was familiar and comfortable in the weight room. So some of the people may be intimidated if they're coming from a purely uh, runner background, or at least uh, some of the older runners. I know our son Pierce and Grant are both uh, lifting now in eighth and 10th grade. So like it's, it's much different than probably when you and I were going to school where, you know, weight training was something that, you know, you saw the football guys do, but nobody else really (laughs) took part in it. And so you weren't really familiar with what it looks like to be in the weight room. And then I think also with social media, I think so many people you can follow for free now before you used to have to gain knowledge from actually going into like a gold's gym or somewhere or going and working with a trainer. Now you can just jump on YouTube and see the proper way to do a push up, Like, uh, I just did push-ups this morning and like, that's one of the most easy, efficient exercises that you can do anywhere in the world. And it has a, a huge impact. So push-ups, pull-ups, and a lot of the stuff is just body weight type exercises. And it's kind of like running, whereas you can work with just your own body weight to start, uh, kind of like when you start running, if you start with walking, it usually works really well. And then you mix in running and then eventually all of a sudden you you realize like, oh, I can actually run five miles without having to stop, you know? And I think the same is true with strength training, but it's it's pretty easy to, to get a, a really incredible workout. And this is something that I learned during the pandemic when I started doing CrossFit is that in 10 or 20 minutes, you can be completely wiped out. And, and that's what I loved about running when I first started is in an hour, you can do everything you need to do for the day as far as running goes you know, up to a certain level, like you guys are talking to people that are doing, you know, 100 milers, 200 milers running across, you know, the country, like that's a little bit different thing. But when I first started running, it was just 45 minutes, bam, I'm done, you know, go back to my life and feel like I did something. And and I think the same is like true with strength training, like it doesn't have to be this onerous thing, you can do it in 10 or 15 minutes, get done everything you need to do. And, you know, if you want to do more, like, yeah, that's great. But uh, if you just hit a couple key things, uh, you can get in and get out and get back to your life. And I think that's what I love about it. And then you see results too. It's like running in that, uh, the more time you put in, the more you get into it, you know, all of a sudden you start having little muscles where you didn't before, or, uh, start being able to, you know, pick up bigger weights and, and it not feel like it's going to rip your arms out. And, and that's great. As, as people are listening to this, and, and even you, we know that, that you have a full-time job, you have a family. Yeah. How do you prioritize if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're training for a long event, whatever long is defined as, whoever's listening to this, but you're training for an event 
and you only have a certain amount of time, how do you prioritize strength training into the whole gamut? Uh, for me, it's something I do every day. So some aspect of it, it's kind of like just part of my routine now. So I do three main exercises every day. And I think if you just do these kind of basic movements, and for me, it's dead bugs, which you know, if, if you want it, I can send you a video, but it's basically laying on your back and you like have your knees up and you move your arms. It's kind of core coordination, hips, mobility, all that kind of stuff. in like a really simple exercise. Uh, so dead bugs, bridges, which kind of activate your glute, which I never did before I started strength training. I would just run with like my hamstrings basically, uh, and not, not actually use my glutes at all. Uh, and then bird dogs, which is kind of the inverse of dead bugs. And those, those three things, it's not a lot of strength training, but it's, it's enough to, you know, keep me mobile and it's, it's mobility, but also it's like coordination and some core work. Uh, and then if you can just add in some pushups, uh, and, and those I just do, you know, every hour or so you can just knock out five or 10 pushups by the end of the day, you have 50, a hundred pushups. And that's, that's a pretty simple routine that almost anyone can do without any real weights. I started working with a guy named Jesse Fuller, and that's where you see all the really cool and creative stuff I do on social media, where it's like bear crawls where I'm crawling across the floor, like, you know, picking up stuff with one hand while my knees are wobbling and it looks like I'm (laughs) about to pass out. Like, yeah, doing like handstand pushups and that kind of stuff. So like that, that's the more kind of creative, different stuff that I, that I like to do. That's uh, challenging. And for me, it's fun to not be particularly adept at anything. Also, like I have no real background other than, you know, lifting for lacrosse. So like it's fun to be a novice. And so like, I've really embraced that and like knowing that uh, you can see improvements and you can see kind of big gains, like I had some like legit muscles before the transcon. They've all been sacrificed to the running <laughs> gods right now. So I'm trying to like, <laughs> you know, bring them back. But yeah, it was, it was fun to kind of build up and, and it's just kind of like running in general. It's like the more you do, the more results you see. And it's just this nice virtuous cycle and it doesn't take a long time. I think that's the biggest misperception or misconception that I had going into it is like, Oh, you know, I got to go somewhere. I got to like sign in. I got to get a towel. I got to do all these things. And, uh, a lot of the stuff you can do on your own. And I think, you know, during the pandemic, that's when that really took effect for me. And I learned that, like I started doing some CrossFit with a friend of mine, Tom Merhofer, and, and he really showed me like, you know, if you really go hard for 10 minutes, like you're spent, like this morning we did one minute, uh, it was bench press and run as far as you can on the treadmill in one minute, 10 times. And by the end of that, like I'd done, you know, 50 bench presses and run almost 2k. I was pretty worked. And then we jumped on the assault bike, which is like this old school, like death trap thing, uh, <laughs> that you see people like, you know, looking like they're going to puke. And, and, and I did, uh, 10 minutes of that every minute you do, four box jump overs, and then you just get back on the assault bike and try to get as many calories as you can. And so like, you know, that's just like two simple exercises. But when I walked out of there, I went to the track and my legs were like wobbly. And so like, you know, then that was maybe 45 minutes altogether. Uh, Cause we ended with like Bulgarian squats and like pushups, you know? So like, yeah, it's, it's, it can be super simple. Like one of the, my favorite workouts is like five minutes, three sets of pushups, just as many as you can do. And it's a five minute workout and your arms will be destroyed by the end of it. 
Or at least my arms are destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) You bring up a good point and a good question, uh, and I think you may have answered this. When is the best time to do the strength workout? Is it right before the run? Is it after the run? Do you do the run in the morning and then strength training at night? When, When is the best time to integrate it? Well, so it depends what you're trying to achieve with my runs. Right now, I'm doing a lot of just ginger easy runs. And so like, I like to do it before because it just makes my runs harder. And I don't really have any time goals or anything for my runs. But if if I was in a real, you know, hardcore training cycle, I'd probably do it on easy days. So like, um, you know how you, you kind of stack your workout sometimes where you have like a hard day, easy day. So that's when I would add in some strength training and I'm pretty much addicted. So I probably do more strength training than you need to, but you could just do a couple workouts a week. Like I know some people that just do two or three workouts a week and that's probably plenty for most of us, but I just love it so much that I'm doing it every day. And so like, I'm usually doing my strength training first and then I go for my first run after that. And so usually the first couple miles are kind of terrible, but then it's just like anything, you know, you just kind of get into the run and and you get through it and it's not that bad. What have you experienced in your running since you've been uh, strength training? So there was a period that you weren't doing any strength training and you would run. And then all of a sudden you said, you know what, I'm going to mix in some strength training. And after you've done that, looking back, what did you realize the gains or the benefits of strength training and running? Yeah. So that's a great question. And that's something that I've really seen is I wouldn't say it's made me like a ton faster, like for the short stuff, but for the long stuff, like I just don't get tired as quickly and I'm so much stronger, like just being able to carry stuff. So like if you have to carry like a pack with like water and like mandatory kit or all that kind of stuff, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Mm. Uh, like that's not as much as my 20 pound weight vest that I'm, you know, walking around or doing box jumps in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then also like, I think just mentally it's made me tougher, which is pretty cool because I, I felt like I was pretty strong mentally beforehand, but like, there's nothing like knowing that you have to do a couple more pushups and you, it feels like you're going uphill when you're pushing up and you're still trying to do them and like you're wobbly and like your knees are, you know, shaking and like your whole body is like shooting off sweat. And like, I feel like that just reminds me of what it feels like at the end of a really tough race. And, you know, Mm. when you're trying to like lock it down and someone's, you know, on your shoulder and it's the difference between, you know, podium or not podium like that, knowing that I've, you know, put that hard work in, in the gym kind of gives me a little bit mental advantage. Um, but I'd say the biggest thing is like, I just don't wear out as easy. Like my, I feel like my core is so much stronger. Uh, I have so much more stability and I think for trail running has actually made me more nimble, like on rocks and stuff, just being on one foot and I have better, uh, proprioception. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that's been a really big benefit. And then when I'm using poles, like I'm just, you know, crushing, you know, especially like if it's, it's a race like hard rock or UTMB or something like that, where you're, you know, you're, you're using your upper body to help move you through the mountains. Like that's, that's made a big difference too. And what's a weird side benefit is I feel like it's made me better at altitude. Like Mm. two years ago at hard rock, not so much because I was just dumb this past uh, time when I was there, I felt yeah really good about it. So I think that's made me a little bit stronger, you know, at altitude too, which I don't know if that's a real benefit or just a mental benefit, but, but it helped. One of the things that uh, you're, you're very well known for, whether you know it or not, is your consistency. Has it helped with uh, uh, injuries, either avoiding or, or recovering from? 
Yeah, definitely on both cases. Like it's made me uh, less prone for injury. And I think just more nimble and, and uh, the ability, like I've always recovered quick. So I don't know if it's really boosted that aspect of it, but the chance for an injury to linger is, is really non-existent. And the other thing I was worried about is like getting hurt lifting. Like, you know, that's kind of like a misconception that I had when I first started doing it. Um, but I think if you're careful and you don't do something stupid, like I did at the Spartan games where I picked up like a boulder, you know, and you stay within your kind of guardrails, like you're, you're pretty much fine. But the other thing too, is like to have someone guide you at the beginning, because like I was, you know, doing stuff and I still do stuff that's not a hundred percent correct technique. But for the most part, like you can overcome that with like some bad form and bad habits. And so like having someone there to just kind of point you in the right direction at the beginning, I think is really helpful. Mike, thank you so much. These are all really good advice. I do need to Google uh, dead bugs and bird dogs. I've heard of bridges, haven't heard of dead bugs or bird dogs. So I'm going to have to Google those. Uh, we'll put some, uh, as, as Mike said, he has some videos. We, we may twist his arm and have him give us those links and we'll put them in the show notes. Uh, you can find Mike at, uh, mikewardian.com where he does a lot of different things, including coaching. Uh, do you have any openings right now, Mike? Actually, I've tried to like slow down on the coaching for the pandemic or and also during the transcon. And so there are a few openings. So if people are interested, for sure, reach out. But, you know, I'll let you know if there's a spot for sure. And the coaching is mostly just running, not strength training. So like if people are looking for strength training, I would definitely recommend checking out my buddy, Jesse Fuller, who's like, you know, on my Instagram and stuff. But like, it'd be more run focused coaching. Excellent. We'll also link the your social um, channels so that people can see those short little uh, video clips and, and, and photos because they are. I think the thing that I've gotten from you is it's not going to take a whole lot of time. You know, just a few minutes is going to help. Yep. I love your idea of just doing a couple, uh, you know, five or 10 pushups every hour. Take a break and, and do a few pushups. And by the end of the day, you'll accomplish something pretty massive. Yeah. And I have a friend that did this too. And sometimes it's great if you're in a a space, like if you're working in an office somewhere and every time you go across the door, the, you know, the jam of your office, you just do like five pushups. And like, so like every time you go to the bathroom, you can also do it, like just do five pushups, you know, but then people will be like, Oh, I'm not going to go to the bathroom or whatever. (laughs) You could also set like, once you've done a minimum of 30, you know, you're done for the day. Right. So it doesn't become something that you hate doing. You can set your own rules. Yeah, exactly. And you, and keep it fun, dude. There's no, no one keeping score, but you, right. So like, I think that's the biggest thing too, is like, you don't have to bench 200 pounds to make the lacrosse team, you know, or do anything like that. Like if you just do a little bit, you'll be surprised at what a big benefit it can have. And the worst case is like, you don't like it and you go back to doing what you were doing. Like that's the other thing. There's no, there's no cost to it really. Like, especially the body weight stuff. Like, you know, if you're starting to buy kettlebells and all that kind of stuff, yeah, there's a little bit of an investment, but I mean, it's, it's pretty low bar to entry. Excellent. Well, hey, thanks for being a good example to us and, and keep up those Instagram posts because they're they're fun to watch. And one of these times after I watch one, I'm actually going to get off the couch and do some of that stuff. <laughs> when we talk about strength running, there's only one person that comes first to mind, and that's Jason Fitzgerald. 
And the reason why is because he has a website called strengthrunning.com and a podcast called Strength Running. So why shouldn't we have him on our podcast? Jason, if you don't know who Jason is, Jason's been running competitively since 1998. He started as a, uh, a cross-country runner. He ran at Connecticut College, uh, where he was a New England qualifier and a top 10 finisher in the 3,000-meter steeplechase, which I love. That's one of my favorite Olympic sports to watch. Instead of them going round and round, they have to jump that, what do you call the bar? And into the water. I just love steeplechase. <laughs> there's, there's probably a name for that. Jason, what is the name for that? It's not the bar over the water, is it? Yeah, those are the barriers. And then ah. you have the water pit where you have to get on top of the barrier and vault yourself over the water pit. And the farther you get, the less deep that water pit becomes. So, yeah, you're right. It's the craziest track and field event. <laughs> it's completely wild. I actually forgot that there were barriers in my first steeplechase race ever and as soon as everyone started jumping (laughs) around me i started getting really nervous like what's everyone doing here and then i almost ran straight into the barrier but was able to jump at the last second (laughs) it really does throw you for a loop a little bit (laughs) anyway a great transition uh from a track and field career into cross country and trail running so he is absolutely part of the nation and we're glad that he can join us and um, give us shed some light on how strength training can help you be a strong runner. So, Jason, for our audience, where do you see as a coach, where do you see the biggest gain that they can have with strength training? Well, I think strength training is so important to the entire training picture for endurance runners that I don't consider it cross training. Uh I just consider it part of the training that runners have to do if they're really interested in achieving their potential. And when you think about just all of the benefits that you get from strength training as a runner, it really becomes this complete no-brainer type of decision. It can help, number one, get you stronger. And if you're a stronger type of runner, if you actually can lift more weight in the gym, then you're actually going to be a faster runner. You're going to have a faster finishing kick. You're going to be more economical. So you're going to be able to run the same paces without using as much energy. And if you're a real endurance runner, like a marathoner, or maybe you're getting into ultra marathons, that one benefit is going to be really interesting to you because economy is so important to your overall performances. And then I think there's all these other, you know, more subtle benefits like uh, improving your coordination and general athleticism. You know, when we think about watching some of the best runners in the world fly down the track or maybe they're closing the Boston Marathon. They look so graceful. Their stride is so smooth. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that us recreational runners can get that kind of a stride is by doing some good weightlifting in the gym. It really does improve the coordination between muscles, within muscles, and it really boosts the, the neuromuscular fitness that we have, that communication between the brain and our muscles. And I think, you know, probably the number one benefit that we get from strength training that's going to be interesting to everyone is the fact that besides good training, strength training is the number one way that you can stay healthy over time. So it really does help you get stronger, toughen up all those connective tissues around your joints, like the ligaments and tendons. 
And that's where most distance runners get their injuries. You know, we've get Achilles tendinopathy, plantar fasciitis, IT band syndrome. All of these repetitive stress injuries are injuries to our connective tissues. And strength training is one of the best ways to get stronger connective tissues and really help us prevent our next big injury. So if you're an injury-prone runner, the number one thing I'll say is, you know, let's make sure our training is properly structured, we're progressing appropriately, you know, we're not doing anything too crazy with our workouts or long runs. But then after that, once our training is structured well, we've got to be doing some strength training. That's going to what that is the thing that's going to keep you healthy over time. Okay, Jason, you've sold me. I mean, I really can't think of anything, any reason at this point that I should argue against your position. But I'm going to ask you this question. Is there a risk of me being too bulked up, being too heavy, starting to lose my efficiency running as a big muscle out there on the trail? Is there any risk of that? There really isn't too much risk of you getting so bulky that you're going to negatively impact your running. Mm. You know, this is sort of like uh, a bodybuilder saying, look, I don't want to run two or three miles a couple times a week because I don't want to become a sub five minute miler. It's just (laughs) not going to happen. You have to work so hard to get to that level of performance. And when it comes to bodybuilding and hypertrophy and actually putting on muscle, you spend such an enormous amount of time lifting weights in the gym. And the other side to that coin is the diet, is eating such a surplus of calories that you actually have the energy to put on a lot of muscle. So for this, the typical runner, even if you're only running 20 miles a week, that's way too much volume to really put a lot of muscle on your body. So our training, the running itself is going to counteract the muscle building properties of running, not to mention the fact that when we're in the gym, we are not lifting like bodybuilders. We are not focused on hypertrophy. The type of lifting that we should be doing should be focused on strength and power. It's let's get stronger. Let's be able to express that strength more quickly. And that's one of the things that helps us use our new strength to actually race faster. But we're not going to be lifting like bodybuilders. You know, we certainly don't need to spend two hours in the gym five or six days a week. We don't need to be separating our workouts and isolating muscles. I think a lot of folks have heard something like, today is back day, or tomorrow's buys and tries day. Mm -hmm. That language is from the bodybuilding world. Because what they do is they focus on each individual muscle, and they do 10 or 12 different exercises to target those muscles. As runners, we don't need to do that, and we probably don't really want to be spending 10 hours in the gym every week. We can get all of the benefits of this kind of weightlifting with two roughly one-hour sessions a week, and I think that is the sweet spot. That's where runners are going to be getting stronger. They're going to be developing some power and all that injury resilience, but they're not lifting so much that they're going to be putting on muscle. So if if I walk in the the gym Jason and and let's assume that let, let's say that there's some beginner bodybuilders over on one side of the gym and some runners over on the other side of the gym um so their body types look similar okay um how do I know that someone is is a runner that's doing the right strength training in a gym versus a bodybuilder what does the what does a runner's workout in the gym look like what are they doing Yeah, that's a good question. I think we can maybe start with some differences in between, you know, between the bodybuilders and the runners. You know, the bodybuilders are looking for extra muscle. They want hypertrophy, muscle growth. 
So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to isolate individual muscles. They're going to do things like hamstring extensions, bicep curls, tricep extensions. Those exercises don't really have too much benefit to runners, so we don't really need to do them. Now, look, if you want to do some bicep curls, you know, do some curls just so that you look good on the beach. I don't have any problems with that. <laughs> you know, vanity, I think is a fine metric to, <laughs> to base some of our exercise on, but it's not really going to help our running. Now the runners in, instead are going to be doing more full body exercises and they're going to be sticking a little bit more to the fundamental types of lifts. They're going to be doing a lot of squats. Mm -hmm. They're going to be doing a lot of deadlifts. And the other big thing is their weightlifting should ideally in a perfect world be periodized, just like our running training. You know, we have a base phase of training where we're focusing on building that endurance and the aerobic metabolism. We're not doing really brutally hard workouts and that sort of transitions into our competition phase where the workouts get more challenging. Maybe our mileage plat starts to plateau we start introducing some races. And then finally, there's the peaking phase. And that's when our mileage starts to decrease. The intensity either peaks or slightly increases from where it was previously. And we start running our most important races. Our weightlifting can be structured very much like this as well, where, you know, let's say we have a 16 week training plan. You know, we should have 16 weeks of weightlifting that roughly follow the same types of physiological goals. So at the beginning, we're, you know, sort of like base training for running. We're focused mostly on relatively easy lifting. You know, maybe we're doing three sets of 10. That's a pretty good baseline. That's great for runners. We're building general competency with the types of lifts that we're doing. We're building more injury resilience. But over time, we're going to start decreasing the repetitions, adding more weight. So we're going to get into heavier lifts. And then finally, we're going to start doing some more power-based movements where maybe we're doing Olympic lifts. Maybe we're doing things like the snatch or the clean. And we're also adding plyometrics. And I think plyometrics are this really interesting drill where essentially what we're doing is we're trying to transfer our strength into speed. We're trying to turn that strength and try to express it very quickly through very forceful muscle contractions. You know, and that's kind of what a plyometric is. And when we can do that strategically, it sort of bridges the gap between what we're doing in the gym and what we'd like to be doing out on the race course. So the bodybuilders, they're going to be in the gym for an hour and a half or two hours. They're going to be isolating muscles and they're probably going to be in the gym four, five, or six days a week. Runners are going to be in, in and out in an hour. They only have to go to the gym maybe twice a week. I think that's an ideal schedule. Three times starts to get a little bit, you know, maybe you start to negatively impact your running at that point. There's just too much lifting. And our training is going to be a lot more periodized to meet the goals of our running. So that's sort of how I think about the overall general structure of weightlifting for runners. So what, what are the, some of the comments that you've heard runners tell you after they started incorporating strength training into their routine? I think the most common one is that they just generally feel better on a day-to-day -day basis where they're not dealing with the same type of aches and pains. They don't have the same niggles that they used to. And the runners that can stick with it for a couple months then generally start to feel more powerful. Mm -hmm. They're like, wow, I'm starting to run workouts. And, 
you know, the last one to two reps where you really start to get tired, you really start tying up, they just have a little bit more power in their legs. They have a little bit more strength to complete the workout at whatever goal pace they might be targeting. So it's kind of a combination of all the benefits of strength training. And, and I think one of the, one of the big selling points of strength training is you have to try it and then you will believe in it. Once you experience those changes within your body, then there's no going back to, you know, running without any kind of strength training, because all of a sudden now you're feeling better. Your injury risk is lower. You're stronger. Maybe you like how you look in the mirror a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to go back to not doing any kind of strength training once you recognize how good you feel when you're doing it consistently. So how long should I, I wait before I make my decision? You said, you said two months a, a moment ago. How long should I commit to the process before I decide that Jason it really doesn't know what he's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say it probably takes three to four weeks to really start noticing any sort of tangible benefits to your running. And it's very similar to running itself. You know, anyone who just starts a new running habit, they probably are not going to feel great for the first couple of weeks. They're probably just going to feel clunky. Their legs are going to hurt. They're going to be way more sore than they ever will be again. I remember when I first started running, I could not finish a three-mile run. I had to take all these walk breaks, mm -hmm. and then I felt like I had run a 50K ultra on the roads for a week afterward. And I was like, am I always going to feel like this? And my coach at the time was like, no, no, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> You're going to rebound from this and then feel great you know, in a week or two. And once you get over that initial hump of soreness, of not feeling terribly confident in the actual lifts and movements that you're attempting in the gym, then I think you'll start to feel some benefits in roughly a month or so. And then two or three months is when things start really coming together and, you know, the gains then start compounding over time. Jason, are there are there any watchouts or any uh, big errors that you see for somebody that just is getting into strength training as a runner? Yeah, I think one of the big mistakes that a lot of athletes make is that they go into the gym and they think to themselves, I'm an endurance runner. I want to run a fast marathon or ultra or half marathon or whatever. And so I should be lifting for endurance. And this is a very common mistake. I used to believe this a very long time ago. And so these runners will do a lot of volume, mm -hmm. low weight, high volume type of lifting where they might do four or five sets of 20, 25 repetitions. But the problem is that's not really the goal of our lifting in the weight room. We get enough of an endurance stimulus through all of the running that we're doing. We don't need to double up on that stimulus in the weight room because again, our goals are strength and power. It's not endurance. It's not hypertrophy. And so this mistake is sort of the, the other side of the spectrum with, with bodybuilding on one side and then lifting for endurance on the other. We want to be right in the middle, that sweet spot of strength and power. The other thing that I think is, is a big mistake that a lot of runners fall into when they first get started with strength training is thinking that everything has to be very heavy. So, okay, I'm not going to live for endurance. I got to live for strength and power. I got to start testing my one rep max and trying to lift a lot of weight. But a lot of the benefit of strength training comes from the coordination benefits from it. Mm -hmm. It's actually becoming more athletic in a general sense. You know, one strength coach once told me that strength training is coordination training under resistance. 
And I loved that line. It really helped me conceptualize weightlifting for runners a little bit better because essentially what we're doing is, yes, we're trying to get stronger and more powerful, but we really want to improve how we move. We want to improve how we can go through these movements and do it in a really competent way. So we don't have to try to lift as much weight as possible all the time. I would rather runners lift a little bit less just in terms of, okay, let's not hurt ourselves. Let's make sure we can do the movement properly and always prioritize good technique when we're lifting a barbell or swinging a kettlebell or whatever we might be doing. I think that's all very critical, but you know, let's first get comfortable with the movements. We don't have to get crazy with how much weight we're putting up. And if you can avoid those big mistakes, you know, trying to lift for hypertrophy or endurance or just kind of going too hard on very heavy weights, then I think runners will be very successful in the gym. You know, I used to be on the side of the gym that Scott was talking about. This is decades ago. I used to hang out on the bodybuilding side and what what an opportunity to learn how to listen to the muscle, listen to the joints. You can feel your muscle work. You can feel the burn. You can feel the joints and all the synergistic muscle contraction that has to happen to keep true and perfect form. It's a real chance to get to know your body in a different way. Besides just running forward, you start to listen to it and learn another language that it communicates in. So I think, I think there's uh, some additional benefits besides just strength and power. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think just being an athlete really gives you this wonderful opportunity to get to know yourself better physically, how to use your muscles, what different levels of fatigue really feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, a five mile run feels different at the end of an 80 mile week or after a 5k race at a maximum effort, or maybe it's your second run of the day. And it's all that little nuanced context Mm. that I think is really critical And by starting a consistent strength training habit, we get to learn even more about our bodies. We get to learn even more about our capabilities and what we can do physically. And, you know, I'm just in such agreement that it's just a wonderful learning opportunity. Mm. Well, it's a great conversation. Jason Fitzpatrick, thank you for joining us. If this topic has piqued your interest, which it should, you can learn a lot more by going to strengthrunning.com or plug into to Jason's podcast, Strength Running. Lots of good information there. There's a YouTube channel where you can see a lot of good examples of strength training. Jason, thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It's been very enlightening and and also motivational. I think that I, I, I need to do a little bit more in the gym. Or in other words, I need to get to the gym. <laughs> yeah, not a little bit more, but maybe getting to it. <laughs> maybe getting some into the gym. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look, guys, I'm a runner. I would actually much rather be out there running than in the weight room. It's weird after I've been sitting here selling weight training for runners. The fact that I don't even really like weightlifting, but you know what? <laughs> I love running and weightlifting enables me to do more of what I love, which is running right. and it enables me to optimize my running. So for those reasons, I'm all in. So thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, guys. Jason, we talk about blisters on the podcast, but we don't like them. It's just something we just talk about. <laughs> What's better than finding quality candidates? Finding them right now for a powerful hiring partner you need indeed.
Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when all you need to do is click on Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Indeed makes it easy to start hiring. It only takes 10 minutes or less for anybody to get started on Indeed.com. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash TrailRunnerNation. That's Indeed.com slash TrailRunnerNation. And our next expert that's going to be joining us talking about strength training is Brad Kearns. Uh, he's been on the show many times, and he's a local that we've always looked up to, and um, he's kind of a mentor to us, right, Don? Well, he has, you know, and then you think about mentorship, there's knowledge that comes downstream, and, and Brad was at the very top of that stream, because the person that was my mentor listened to Brad Kearns. Brad Kearns is an American author, podcast host, professional speed golfer, master's high jumper, and former professional triathlete. He's written books, one called How Lance Does It, How Tiger Does It. He's got a lot more on his resume than this, but welcome to the show, Brad Kearns. Wait, what about my AR50 credential that I actually finished <laughs> a 50-mile race? And this was many, many years ago, 25 years ago or something. And when I crossed the finish line, I said, never again. You know how the old story goes. <laughs> yeah. and then, then you go home and get on the internet. And I, I said, never again, and I meant it. So that was my last <laughs> ultra. But um, it was great to dabble in that world, especially when I was training for the professional triathlon circuit, because uh, we were extreme ultra-endurance competitors. And, you know, the Ironman lasts all day. And uh, even a sprint race, we called it a sprint race, was a two-hour event. So that's like running, you know, the Olympic marathon. So um, I have that ultra background. But today, at the advanced age of 57, my goals have been recalibrated to be uh, relating to sprinting and high jumping. So I'm performing brief explosive activity. And it's been a wonderful transition lasting my life to, uh, you know, move into a different athletic realm and have to pick up diverse skills that weren't really necessary when you're plodding along and, you know, doing, doing extreme endurance competition. One of the things that I love about you, Brad, is you're a diverse athlete. Going from endurance triathlons to AR50, a 50-mile endurance run, to high jumping and speed golf. Uh, tell us a little bit about your strength training and, and how that uh, works into all these different um, athletic achievements. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about my splits at the <laughs> AR50. No, no, no. I went through the marathon. I went through the marathon at 309. Um, I chatted with Tom Johnson, former Western States champion in the early miles of the run, thinking like, hey, this is great. I'm at a good pace. And then I finished the second. Well, it wasn't, it was less than a marathon. So the last 24 was run in five and a half hours. So um, <laughs> people, you feel me out there. I know what it's like to, to 
trudge on home after a 309 marathon split. Like, what the heck was I thinking? Hey, we have a podcast episode on pacing, Brad. Maybe you need to listen to that one. Yeah, I'm going to go back and that's on my playlist, man. Okay. I I think you get into about three minutes before we say, don't start too fast. I think everybody knew that. That's funny because I listen to most podcasts at 1.75 speed or 2.0 speed so I can listen to more podcasts and fill my brain with as much information as possible and then slow down if it gets really important. So I'll have to listen to that pacing podcast at 1.0 just to honor the the show. (laughs) Anyway, Scott asked a question. I forgot what it was. It was something about strength training. Yeah, We're running out of time. And thank you for your segment, Brad. Let's talk to some real experts. (laughs) Tell us about strength training. What does that mean to you? Uh, This is something that when I was a triathlete, I did not have the energy to put any time into resistance training. Mm. And I think it was, you know, it was a mistake. And now the elite athletes in every sport are very well integrated with a diverse uh, training protocol and everything's calibrated to contribute to that ultimate peak performance. And if I could offer up a one-liner about strength training, I think the most important reason is to allow the endurance athlete or the ultra-endurance athlete to preserve proper technique while becoming fatigued. Mm. Because if you can't preserve proper technique, and the the best example is when your hip flexors get blown out at at mile 20 of the marathon and you're shuffling home, you still have appropriate amount of energy, you're burning calories, you're working hard. However, your form sucks. And so all that hard work is just to drag this dead leg down the pavement (laughs) on every stride rather than utilize the maximum propulsive force of the Achilles tendon and a proper impact and a proper driving of the knee and all those pointers that um, will get you to running the best pace per mile based on your conditioning. So if you have those uh, faulty areas of the body that can't hold up, um, you're going to perform worse than you wished at the same energy expenditure. So we might as well get the most out of our bodies and do things in training that can uh, that can you know keep us strong and also sort of hijack this training effect that comes when you uh, do a really super long run. Uh, the first two hours or two and a half hours of that run are simply prep to get the adaptation that comes when you run the final hour of your training run. Okay, and so if you go into the gym and load your barbell, of course, I'm talking in, you know, theoretical here, I'm not suggesting the average ultra runner go in and throw on some plates. But when you go and put a heavy weight on your shoulders and perform a set of deep squats, that kind of mimics the exhaustion that's going to happen after running for several hours. So because we can't train by running several hours every single day, uh, this is a way, I believe, to you know get the muscles to that total failure experience. For example, when you do a single set and you work hard for a minute in the gym, it's a kind of a proxy to getting into that point where your muscles have to fire when they're almost exhausted. That's a really good point. And I would assume that let's say you're in that final six miles of the marathon and your your technique and your form deteriorate, that sets you up for possible injury, right, Brad? I don't know if you're running fast enough to get injured. Oh. Come on now. If you're running, I was running 12-minute miles, and then I, I pulled a hammy. No, 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 no. That's that's me running track. I'll tell you about injuries. It's when you're running the 400. Oh, okay. um, your best return on investment for training energy expenditure is going to be simulating the competitive experience. And I think a lot of people get confused and misled to think, oh, if I just go hit it hard in the gym uh, three days a week on top of my typical ultra-running schedule uh, – 
uh, I'm going to get better and stronger. And so we have to look at all the slices of pie in our energy availability. And most of that is going to become competent at your aerobic conditioning so that you can go for long distances, whatever sport you're doing. And the strength training is going to be a smaller slice of pie and it always will be. And so we kind of have to start with that and say, I'm not going to go blow my, uh, blow my bank at the gym getting stronger because it doesn't matter that much. And that's why it's so fun to pass those super buff guys on the trail. Excuse me, on your left, how are you doing? <laughs> and uh, someone who can lift way more weight than you can't keep up with your you know, casual training pace. So it's specificity of training is really important. And if you have some extra energy, I favor attacking this whole challenge with sort of an under-the-radar strategy where your strength training sessions aren't that exhausting because we want to preserve that energy for that weekend long run, which is by far more important than anything you do in the gym. Uh, so I have, a, I have a, a call back to your comment earlier. So, so we're at mile 20 in the, in the marathon, and you're talking about your hip flexors are just blown out and fatigued. And so when we think about musculature, we think, well, we have our hip flexors up front. They're going to bring our leg forward. And then we propel ourselves with the hamstrings and the glutes and all the muscles in the back of the leg. And so you fatigued. If there should be a balance to stay consistent, you should have equal strength or at least equal endurance front and back. And if we're doing mostly hill climbing and, and running on flats and moving ourselves forward, those front hip flexors don't get the same amount of strength work. And so I think we need to go into the gym, do some things to strengthen fatigue those front hip flexors so it matches those posterior muscles in the, in the leg. I think that that's where the balance is. Since we don't use our hip flexors climbing a hill to the same extent we use our posterior muscles, we need to give a different type of environment to strengthen the front of that body. True? Yeah. And also we're sitting in chairs uh, yeah. for hours every day and experiencing all manner of uh, dysfunction over the long term. It deactivates the glutes, so the glutes weaken. It shortens and tightens the hamstrings and the hip flexors. So we're talking about a sitting athlete. By and large, I would say the majority of the ultra-running population is not uh, laying bricks all day or doing manual labor. And so we have that major challenge to overcome, which is our lifestyle. And then, you know, we, we get into this sort of mentality, weekend warrior type of mentality where you think you're an ultra runner, but mostly you're a sitting human because you only train 10 hours a week, even when you're in extreme training or 15 hours a week. And there's 168 hours in a week, most of which are spent inactive and in poor positionings. Wow. Hmm. I just looked myself in the mirror and I did not like what I saw there, Brad. So you're, you're, you're saying there needs to be a balance between the, the specificity training and maybe some strength training. What is the balance? How often do you recommend someone get in the gym? And I'm putting air quotes on get in the gym. I don't think you have to go to a gym. There's a lot of, of body weight resistance and a lot of stuff that you can do just in your living room. But what, what is the balance? Well, I think the greatest breakthrough in fitness in, in decades is this concept of micro-workouts, where we demystify and reduce the complexity of the fitness experience to realize that a very short effort, especially when it breaks up prolonged periods of stillness, can be an awesome workout. And if you stack these little exercise sessions together over 365 days, you have a wonderful increase in your baseline fitness competency. So I'm talking about 
sitting in your, your work cubicle and then getting up and doing a set of 20 deep squats, which takes around a minute, and then back to work. Or if you're in an environment with staircase, you can go and uh, hustle up the stairs and back down and do five sets of a, a single flight of stairs or, or go up four flights of stairs at the office building, whatever, the apartment building, and then uh, go back to your busy day. And so if you sprinkle in these opportunities for you know minor fitness experiences, you can go a long way down that path whereby you don't have to go concern yourself with an overly stressful, exhausting training session in the gym, which I think a lot of uh, traditional programming is is guilty of, and uh, the, the the personal trainers are guilty of, where they take an enthusiastic person and they put them to work for an hour and fifteen minutes, and they go out feeling buzzed on endorphins, but the workout was too stressful and over time depleting and exhausting. If you're trying to do this and go long on the weekend, so micro workouts is the term that I use, and boy, it it can it can you know start right now after listening to the show. You can drop for a set of twenty deep squats. There's a lot of uh, one-legged balancing things that uh, endurance athletes are extremely incompetent on. It's amazing for me to go into a gym and work with an expert and realize that, um, you know, I could put a lot of weight on my back and do these uh, do these squats with two legs and how many hundred pounds and then um, trying to do a, a, an air squat on one leg and your knees wobbly. So it's like, okay, I got to work on that. And so these little tidbits that you can throw in that don't really compromise your performance and recovery from your core workouts, which are endurance related. So you're saying really there's no excuse not to get it done. These, these, uh, the breakthrough of the, the micro workouts really solves the problem or the excuse of, I just don't have time today. We absolutely have time to get that done. Brad, we talked a little bit before the, we hit record. You, you've had some reflection on diet, nutrition, the things that you've practiced your entire career. And we'd like to invite you back to have a full episode on that. We're very curious, and we think it would be a fantastic uh, discussion if, if, you're, if you're up for that. I would love to. And, and for now, listeners, go do your first micro-workout. Hustle up the stairs. It's fun. And you can go listen to Brad's podcast because there's more of what he's showing here. He's, he's just full of energy and brings in knowledge and experts to help fill in any voids or, or discussions that he wants to have. So, Brad, uh, wh- where do we find that podcast? What's it called? It's called the B-Rad Podcast. Thank you for asking. And <laughs> I've recently uh, relaunched the Primal Endurance Podcast uh, and the Primal Endurance Mastery Course. So we have great database of uh, guests and shows over the years. Um, it's been dormant for like three years and now, um, it's back in action. So my, my heart is with the endurance community and it's just amazing to see the progress, especially, uh, you know, from a decade ago or whatever. And, uh, I'd go watch the Western States cause I lived in Auburn for a long time. And here comes the winter at 17 hours and 47 seconds and it's dark and all this. And now like I'm looking at these times going, wow. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's stunning what the human's capable of and it's so inspiring. Yeah, when when does it stop? You wonder if there's a limit. Uh, there has to be a limit, but it's it's fun to watch and, and see uh, us approach that that space. So, Brad, we look forward to having you back on, and we we thank you for coming on and talking a little bit about strength and and opening our eyes when we we think that we're we're prepared and ready. There's a lot more things we can do to become better. Thank you. And joining us next, you probably will recognize the voice because he's been on so many times. Alex Hutchinson is our fourth and final expert on strength training. You know, he, on Saturday Night Live, they have the frequent hosts. 
Um, Alex now has a TRN uh, guest jacket because he's been on 10 times. This is his 11th time on the podcast. Uh, if, if you want to ha- listen to some really good episodes, just do a Google search uh, for Alex and Trail Runner Nation. He is the author of Endure, Mind, Body, and the Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance, which we did three separate episodes on. It's that good of a book. You know, Don, here's, here's a little bit of trivia. I don't know if you knew this. We have a team of researchers working for Trail Runner Nation and um, did a lot of digging through the internet and, and, and fact-finding. I did not know this. Alex started out as a physicist, and he has a PhD from the University of Cambridge. Did you know that? Well, it explains a lot of things, Scott. I mean, after, after 11 uh, appearances, we're just pulling that out. But I can imagine it based on the knowledge that he brings. And he, and he actually worked for the U.S. National Security Agency. Man, Alex, <laughs> you have a resume. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Well, th- thank you for, for the kind words and for the repeat invitations. I actually hadn't realized it was 11, uh, 11 times. It's fortunate that I have uh, low-grade amnesia and, and had totally forgotten that <laughs> I've been on so many times. But no, seriously, I, pre- I, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate you having me and, and, and the kind words. As, as we're as we're thinking about what kind of experts we could get for strength training, um, Alex was one of the first names that popped up, mainly because he's written a lot about it. He has a lot of articles. He's the author of Sweat Science at, a, at Outside Online, and he actually wrote a book before Endure called Which Comes First, Cardio or Weights? So Alex, thanks for joining us and letting us understand where you think about strength training. If we were to go out on a run and let's say, let's pick a random uh, number and said, what three things should we know about strength training? What would you say? Yeah, what, what, what a happy coincidence because I was, I was on a run this very morning and was thinking <laughs> about this topic and, and came up with what I think are the three key ideas. But first, I, I just want to say thank you had me very hopeful for, the, for a moment there. You said, we want to talk to Alex about strength training because he's, r- and I thought you were going to say because he's ripped. But you said it's because he has written a lot about it. Um, so fortunately, this is audio format, so so people can't uh, see the results of my uh, strength training knowledge. But uh, seriously, I, ha- I have thought about a lot about this, um, mainly because I, I don't particularly love strength training. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out, do I really need to do this as a guy who loves running? Um, and, you know, long activities. And, and the answer I keep coming up with is, yes, I really do need to do this. Particularly for a trail running audience, there are three things to think about. And the, the first and the, probably the most important is, is health and longevity. You know, it, it doesn't matter how aerobically fit you are. If you're not careful, there will come a point where you cannot push yourself out of a chair. And that doesn't matter how great your, your heart and lungs are if you can't get out of the chair anymore. You, you have to have enough muscle strength to go about the activities of daily life. And this is probably more urgent for some people than for others. And and I happen to be someone who is very slenderly built. Let's say it looks like I'm twisted together out of pipe cleaners. So <laughs> this is something, uh, this is probably my number one reason for getting out in strength training is that with age, you, uh, everyone loses muscle mass, you know, unless you're t- t- take specific actions, you, you tend to start losing muscle mass by the time you're in your thirties and it just gets faster and faster as you get older. And uh, it, it's quite a common reason that people can't live independently anymore as they reach a point where they can't, you know, get up off the toilet seat or go up a flight of stairs, not because they're out of breath, but because they actually don't have the muscle to do it or because it's a, sort of a maximal effort. So they become out of breath because it's like a, a one rep max. So I do strength training. I motivate myself to do strength training a couple times a week because I'm skinny and I need to, uh, I, I need to make sure I have enough muscle to, to take me into the decades to come. 
The second reason from a running perspective is a performance thing. There is quite a bit of evidence that running can enhance performance. I mean, <laughs> that strength training can enhance running performance. <laughs> and and the, the way it does that, there, there may be various things. I mean, maybe you get to pump, pump the, your arms harder or, or hit the ground harder. But the main effect is that after strength training, people tend to run more efficiently. Uh, and the reason for that is not necessarily that you get bigger and stronger, but that strength training optimizes basically the sig- how the signals travel from your brain to your muscles. Uh, doing strength training forces you to optimize that neuromuscular signaling process. And that ends up having the effect of enabling you to use your muscles more efficiently when you run so that you use less energy to run at a given pace. That's called improving your running economy. And there's quite a bit of evidence that various forms of strength training improve running economy. You know, we're talking a percent or two improvement. So this is not like the low-hanging fruit, but if you're out there looking for the the final edge, strength training is a good way of doing it, especially if you're already running as much as your body can handle. You can add strength training, uh, get some further improvement without beating up the same uh, muscles that you beat up running. The final thing to th- consider is is more of a trail running or trail slash ultra running specific thing, which is durability and injury resistance. Now, Lots of people would argue that strength training makes you stronger and more durable for for whatever the context, whether you're playing pickleball or or you know jogging ten meters or going for long trail runs. But there's a sp- an argument put forth by some trail running researchers, specifically a guy named Guillaume Millet or Guillaume Millet, who's a, a French researcher. He's he's a guy who has podiumed at some of the toughest trail ultras in the world, like Tour des Géants, and done very well at at UTMB. But he's also a, a top researcher, and he put this forward this hypothesis uh, about a decade ago that the the ideal trail runner, and specifically the ideal mountain trail runner, looks different from the ideal track runner or road marathoner. And there's a bunch of ways that these two types of runners might look different. But one specific one was that you want to be bigger and more muscular if you're running trail races because of the pounding that your legs take going up and down uneven terrain, and specifically downhill. And the more muscle you have, the more likely you are to be able to deal with the, the eccentric muscle damage from going down hills and, and just the pounding of, of long distances. So in that sense, strength training is a specific intervention that helps your legs handle the pounding of long and uneven, long distances and uneven terrain. So uh, Alex, um, uh, if we wanted to become this, this ultimate trail runner, what types of exercises would you prescribe to become that? Would you go to a gym? Would you join CrossFit? Would you would you turn on the TV and and watch a video? What what would we do? Yeah, yeah, this is the hard question. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and there have been a lot of studies that that look at this. In fact, I'm I'm in the process at, at this very moment as we speak of writing an article about a study that that compared three different strength training routines for runners to try and figure <laughs> out which one was was more optimal. And they looked at heavy weights lightweights and plyometrics, which is explosive movements like box jumps and things like that. And their conclusion was, man, it's all kind of the same. They all led to improvements. Now, this was a small study. So you do a study with 10 people, it's a lot harder to detect subtle differences than if you do a study with a thousand people. And so I don't doubt that it's not that everything is the same. It's not that ultimately, you know, there is a difference between jumping on a box versus, you know, lifting a massive barbell. But to first order, Doing something gets you most of the way there. Mm-hmm. And if you get to the point, where, and so personally, like I do mostly body weight stuff. I do, I have a, a park near me that has like a, some benches that you can step up on and, and it has a, a, a chin up bar or pull up bar. 
and at home I have some kettlebells, three different weights. Um, I, I won't even say which weights they are. For, for <laughs> humiliation. It's not one, two, and three pounds. I'll just say that. And so I do, you know, light kettlebell weighted squats and things like that, and 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 lunges, and I do push-ups and pull-ups and things like that, and body weight. A lot of elite athletes these days that's very popular doing like much more heavy, you know, barbell type workouts. There may be some advantage to that, but I, w- I guess I would say if you're at the point that you can't get further benefit from a pull-up bar and a milk crate, then you probably don't need my advice because you're stronger than me already. <laughs> Alex, you, you're like most of us that we got into running because we didn't want to go to the gym. We don't like the strength training. We'd rather be out enjoying uh, the mountains and the streams and, and, and the roads. How often, I, you mentioned you do it two times a week. Are there any studies on frequency and duration that is optimal for endurance athletes? Yeah. There, well, there are studies on more generally on frequency and duration. And I would say the, the smallest dose I've seen that leads to sustained gains was a, uh, there was a once a week workout. That's, there's this Dutch company. I'm blanking on the name. It's like fit something. I can send you the link after, but, but where they have a gym and their shtick is you come in once a week in your street clothes and do one set of each of these exercises on our machines and they keep really, really careful data. And so they can show over the course of a few years, sustained gains, like strong gains for the first year. And then, you know, less and less gains as time goes on. Because it, look, it's when you're untrained, all you have to do is kind of look at a weight and you start making some progress. <laughs> but at a, at a certain point, it's, it's, it's harder for everyone to keep making gains. So if the choice is once a week or zero times a week, once a week can do something. If you do it consistently and you work hard in that once a week, I think you really have to nail the workout if you're going once a week. If you do it twice a week, that's a reasonable dose. Once you get to three times a week, especially if you're also running. I think that's kind of like as much as you would want to do it. And there's even, there's been some studies, there was, well, I'm thinking of one study in particular with older adults, which I, who, who I now identify with, you know, increasingly with every passing day, where they, they compared three hard workouts to like two hard workouts and one kind of half workout. And the group that was doing the, the easier third workout did better than the group that was doing three full workouts. So there comes a point where it's like, you have to be recovering between workouts or you're kind of setting yourself back. And so I think three, you, if you're doing three times a week, you kind of need to make sure that you're, you're recovering between them. And that, you know, if you're doing three strength workouts a week and you're also running a hundred miles and playing pickleball or whatever, like doing something else that's using your muscles, you may not be getting the, the you may not be recovering enough to adapt to the strength training. So I think two is a sweet spot. Uh, more if you're, if you're young and fit and enthusiastic, less if you're if it's like that, that's all you're willing to do but I, yeah i think two's a good number and, and it makes sense you you look at what that dutch company is doing if you were designing a hunter gatherer you know you wouldn't have time for that hunter gatherer to be working out four times a week you would want him or her to be able to go out and lift the animal pick it up and then next week when they need to do it again, they have the strength to do it. So by design, it sounds like we should adapt quickly. We should not have to repeat over and over many different repetitions and sets and days to stay strong. It seems like we should do something and and be strong. That would be a good design. And I think for the most part, the body seems to be designed pretty well. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I also think it's hard to talk about strength training in isolation because it's there's, there's two a very different thing between saying you should work out twice a week 
And for every other minute of the week, you're going to be either sitting at your desk or lying on the sofa versus you should work out twice a week, but you know what? You're also doing some yard work on the weekends and you're mm -hmm. maybe you're playing tennis once a week and maybe you're carrying groceries home, like living a generally active lifestyle. And that I think mimics much more what you're talking about, the, the hunter-gatherer routine where there's going to be occasional really hard days. There's going to be some sitting around and resting too, but there's not going to be sort of five days in a row where you don't get up from the, your desk or the couch. And so I think, the, I, I like to think at least that trying to live a generally active lifestyle is another way of, of making sure that you you know your muscles don't melt away like butter. Our hunter-gatherers didn't have back day, leg day, arm day. <laughs> they, they didn't break it up that way. They just bro, went out bro, and did what are you saying? <laughs> My calves are too small. I need to do some calf raises. <laughs> it's, it's calf day. Yeah, I, I do two-a-days. Calf, calves in the afternoon and, and work on my quads only in the morning. We, we laugh. Uh, there are people who love that, and that's great. And that there, there may be no more crazy than, than those of us who love to go out and run long distances. But uh, yeah, it's a question of finding what's, I, I mean, really what it comes down to, if you if you were to ask for my ultimate advice on strength training, it's like, find something that involves strength that you can tolerate doing and that you will do on a regular basis for the rest of your life or close to it. And, and you know, whether that's going to the gym, whether that's uh, doing just some body weight stuff, or and whether it's once a week or three times a week or whatever, the key thing is you just need to be doing something and sustaining it. Of course, the, the details matter, but not as much as the difference between nothing and something. And it's a probably a good idea we don't make fun of those two-a-day guys that are lifting the weights because <laughs> they're usually bigger than us, definitely stronger than us. They can't catch us. <laughs> they can't Just, catch us. They, they may be able to in a short sprint. Yeah. Don't don't come down from the hills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, you, if Alex's uh, message resonates with you, go to the show notes. Uh, he was generous to share four recent articles uh, that he wrote at Outside Magazine, his sweat science column, that we'll link in there. Um, you can also find him on Twitter or follow him on Twitter at Sweat Science. And if you don't have it, you need to have a copy of Endure. Uh, that book, uh, there's so much gold in there. Every single chapter is is remarkable. So, Alex, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. I, I, uh, I always enjoy it. I appreciate the invitation. Boy, that was a really good episode. I learned a lot. Uh, a few things that I learned. I didn't know that we started losing muscle after the age of 30, that you need to continue to do strength training after 30. That's crazy. Oh, you know, one of the things that uh, caught my attention is it doesn't take a lot to get into some strength training. You don't have to go get a membership at the local gym. You can just step away from your desk and do a few reps, do some squats, do some push-ups, and there's a benefit. Every time you leave your door, the office or whatever, do 10 push-ups or five push-ups. By the end of the day, you'll have 50 under your belt and it's going to help. I think maybe you and I should start with just two. <laughs> well, we hope it motivated you to go out and strength train mass. And now we've reached the end of the podcast, really the finish line, Scott, where we give high fives as we're coming through the big arch. And we're going to thank our executive producer and editor, Ryan War, And our social media guru, Yana Gibalova. And our website graphic engineer, Katie Burke. We also want to thank the Patreon supporters. If you want to become one, you can go to our website, hit the support us tab, and you can sign up on our Patreon channel. 
We also want to thank our business Patreon member, Doug Crumley. Doug Crumley is a coach for your finances. He is a private wealth advisor with Crumley & Associates, which is a private wealth advisory practice of AmeriPrize Financial Services, LLC. When you have the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Visit him at www.dougcrumleyjr.com. Scott, we mentioned the deals page quite often. That's on our website, trailrunnernation.com. And we've made a lot of changes there and we're really proud of it. There's a lot of information there. Of course, there's the deals page where you can get all sorts of discounts on gear that we love and trust. We also have all of our other podcasts. We also have the training principles link. So we just started the training principles episodes at the beginning of this year. All those are kind of organized in one area. So if you're just getting into trail running and want to know the basics of where to start, go to the training principles tab. You can also sign up for our newsletter. We don't fill your mailbox full of junk every week or twice a week. Only when there's important things to happen, you'll also be notified when a new podcast hits the air. So go to trailrunnernation.com.